0: Friends, I want to acknowledge um, that this past week has been one of the more painful and difficult times for many of our families in this congregation. And it has also awakened our awareness that we don't always know what tomorrow will hold or even what other people around us might be experiencing things that we're not fully aware of, that we can't see. But I do want to say that while the pain of this week is fresh and in front of us in our hearts and minds, I also want to acknowledge that last week in our church family, we were mourning a loss. And every one of the 52 weeks of this year, some of you have been walking through painful times. There have been diagnoses that you have received that have rocked your world. There have been phone calls that you have gotten that have changed the course of the shape of the way that you live your life. Maybe you experienced a loss, or you remember a particular pain, or there are the remnants of disappointment that came to you that seemed not just unexpected, but maybe even unjust. Or it was undesired. And all of that at the end of this year is still just kind of lingering with you. All of that frustration. And so in light of Christmas and the new year that's just about to dawn, what do you do with all that? What do we do with all of the disappointment and the heartache? What do we do... When the pain of the journey that we're walking right now leaves us uncertain about how to move forward. And if we're really honest, wondering if it even matters to most people. And if we're super gut honest today, wondering if God cares. Because sometimes in the deepest places of pain, the question is, where are you? I believe you. I believe in you. But today I don't feel you. And so I wonder if you care. The truth is that time keeps passing. We wear watches on our wrists to remind us of what time it is. And even if your battery runs out, as soon as you put in a new one, the dial keeps spinning. And time keeps moving forward. And sometimes that's a good thing. For little ones right before Christmas, those last couple days, boy, they wanted time to move faster than it ever had. And sometimes it's not a good thing. Sometimes when we're dealing with diagnoses and we've been given a limited amount of time, we want to slow it down. And sometimes when time passes, we just don't know. We don't, we don't know if the passage of time for us is a good thing or a bad thing. We don't, we don't know how to wrap our minds around all of it. But here's what I do know. We get to a day like today, December 30th, and we are more aware of the passage of time than we ever have been before. We turn and we look back at the last 360 or so days, and we start to take stock. What did I do with the time that I had? How did I use it? What am I going to do with the new bit of time that's coming to me? How can, I, how can I live differently with the time ahead than I did with the time behind? And I think when we start reflecting like that, here's what happens. Our reflections often prove that we live a lot of our days without real intention. And sadly, it takes major events in our lives to shake us and wake us up and remind us that every day that is given to us is a gift. Every single one. And when God gave us the gift of time, He did so as a blessing. To say, I want you to do something with the time that you have. And so when we start reflecting and we think back about what we've done with time or what we haven't, here's what we start to do. We start to intentionally think about how we can establish new patterns of behavior. What can I do to redeem the time of my past and and do something with the time that I assume I have ahead? And since a new year marks a new beginning, that comes with this whole sense of, well, I'm going to do some brand new things I've never done before. I'm going to take this moment and seize this time to try stuff I've never tried before, because maybe that will make the difference. And so we get ambitious. Ambitious. And we start to set goals and make resolutions to help us be better people and to use the time that we have more intentionally and live the kind of life next year that we wanted to live this year. To move forward living something different than the way we reflect about how we have lived in the past. And while resolutions are admirable, there are a couple of challenges with them. One, few, if any, of them are maintained. (laughs) Because sometime by mid-February, all of the good intentions have faded into oblivion. Call any gym in America, and they will tell you all the memberships are up in January, and they're all down by the end of February. But here's another problem. When we make resolutions, we are typically relying solely on ourselves to get the job done. And we edge God right out of the picture of helping us to transform into the kind of people that he wants us to become. We model the kind of change we want to see after what appears to look good in the lives of other people instead of reflecting on his word and asking who he wants to make us to be. And the reality is if we want to become the kind of people that God wants us to be, he's going to have to do the molding and the shaping. And no amount of personal effort is going to fix all the things that God wants to transform in us. But perhaps the most important part of resolutions that you need to know is that you're not guaranteed tomorrow. It's not promised to you. You have, however, been given today. That's why we call it the present, because it truly is a gift. It's an important term for time, because every moment that you have, every breath that you take, it's a real gift. And what you do with that gift, that's what's important. What you do with the life that you've been given today, that's what matters the most. So in light of where we've been walking in the last week, I want to offer you three things today that I believe that we can all do, not just in the coming year, but starting today, that can make a radical difference in the way that we live and then the way that we use the gift of time we have right now. And the first is simply this. Love someone every day. Love someone every day because in a world full of heartache and brokenness, what we all need more of is love. All of us. There's not a a huge surplus running around right now so that people don't find themselves in shortage. In fact, even this week, I've spoken with people who are scared and hurting and need a little more love in their life. But when I say make sure that you love someone every day, I'm not just talking about loving your neighbor. I'm also talking about loving yourself not the conditional kind of love where once you've checked all the boxes, you know that you've loved the right way. I'm talking about the just because kind of love. Do you know what I mean by just because? When you do something just because you love somebody else, the kind that keeps coming when people think it shouldn't, the love that does unspeakable, unimaginable, crazy, outside the box, unexpected kinds of things. Love that was demonstrated to us by the Father when he gave us the gift of Jesus. The kind that chooses to love people who are hard to love, even when that person is you. To love somebody every day looks like the kind of love that God has shown to us. We didn't deserve to have a love that lived and died for us, but it was given to us freely because God first loved us. We didn't earn it. We couldn't possibly. Instead, God loved us first because he is love. And so to begin to resolve to love someone every day first begins for you to choose To believe that God loves you. To believe that the God of heaven who gave us the gift of Jesus gave his son as a gift for you personally, intentionally, extravagantly. As he gave the gift of Jesus, he did so so that you would know how loved you really are. That nothing could separate you from the love of God. Nothing not even death. God loves you that much. And so if you want to learn to love other people, you have to begin by believing that God loves you. If you wanna make every day that you have matter, choose to love every day, multiple times a day, multiple people a day, without condition, Without reason, without limits or boundaries or rules. Don't say, I'll love you if you. Just say, I love you. Because sometimes I love you is the greatest gift you could ever give someone at all. You never know when someone is so broken that an I love you will be the glue that helps to mend what is broken. So receive the love of God that has been given to you and let him speak into your brokenness and intentionally work to believe what God says about you is true. Do you know that God calls you beloved? One of his favorite terms for you is beloved. You're his children, his sons and his daughters, and he loves you in a way that you have never been loved before. Earthly love can be impressive. Long legacies of marriage where we've seen utter devotion and intention. And all of that still pales in comparison to the love that God has for you. And if you want to love someone every day, you've got to tap into a source that doesn't come out of your own strength. Because there are days, friends, that people are just unlovable. And if you don't believe me, ask my husband and he will tell you. Some days I am very hard to love. It's hard for me to love myself some days. But I believe that there is a God who loves me. And more importantly today, I believe that there is a God that loves you. And he so desperately wants you to know how much he loves you. And part of the reason he wants you to know that is so that you can start extending that same love to other people As a part of God's gift to us in Jesus, he sent a new message with Jesus. And this is what Jesus said, A new command I have given you, love one another. For as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus also said that loving just doesn't include the people who are easy to love, but especially the ones that we don't even want to love. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How do I do that? How is that even possible? How do I learn to love people that have made it so impossible to love them? Some of Jesus' disciples have given us a little bit of help. One of Jesus' followers, he referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved, gave us this hint. He says our love shouldn't just be with words and talk. It must be true love which shows itself in action. There has to be a demonstration because sometimes words are cheap. And love looks like going the extra mile. And love looks like doing the thing that you don't really have time for. And to be honest, you don't even want to do. But you do because you know it's the loving thing to do. Another of Jesus' disciples, the impulsive, emotional, not so perfect Peter, who was oftentimes, I think, one of the hardest to love, reminded us that the action that John is talking about looks like being kind and humble with one another and not paying back evil for evil or cursing with cursing, but instead to repay people with a blessing because a blessing is what God promised to give you when he called you to be his child. See, sometimes loving someone every day might be the hardest thing you do. But it will always be the most important thing you do. Because God, when he looked on us in all of the the sin and selfishness that we carried around, passed a blessing onto us when he chose to love us every day. It's not that we don't have a model for what it looks like to love someone every day. We do. What we hope and pray for is the courage to love like God has loved us. And the Apostle Paul agreed with Peter. He said, Be always humble and gentle, patient, and show your love by being tolerant with one another and doing your best to preserve the unity which the Spirit gives by means of His peace, which has bound you all together. See, that's the, that's the real gift in loving someone every day. That the more we work to love each other, the closer we draw to one another, and the things that used to separate us are now blurred by the fact that we care more about loving someone than we do about being right or wrong, than we do about being first or best. Instead, what we're worried about is, did I love someone well enough today? Because I believe that if we resolve to love daily, just the way that we've been loved, that in the midst of all of the heart sickness and all of the heartbreak and heartache and all of the stuff that the world throws at us, that we will be able to find a peace that binds us all together. But we can't just talk about it. We have to show it. As Bob Goff reminds us, love does. So love someone every day. And here's what's interesting. The second thing I want to tell you today goes perfectly with the first. Because in order to love someone every day, you have to do something else. And that's don't go alone. But instead be with. Never go alone. Instead be with someone. I think one of the greatest sadnesses that we face in the world today is isolation. Isolation. We can deal with the hills and the valleys as they come sometimes. But when we feel alone, there, may, there might not be anything worse than when we feel like there's no one else but just me. And as we start to reflect on the passage of time, one of the things that we recall are the moments that we felt most alone. We look back at the highs. We remember the good things, the good times, the times that we've gathered together But the things that also stick out are the times when we weren't with anyone and we wish we had been. When instead of feeling like we had people, we felt like we only had ourselves. Maybe you know what that feels like. Maybe you've wished for someone to understand and hear your hurts and your disappointments. Many of us have ached for people who have felt the emptiness that comes with aloneness because we see that they're lonely and we've often wondered how to fix it. And the beautiful response to that is that God has given us two clear ways to ensure that that void doesn't exist. And the first is himself. God has promised that he is always present with us because we are people who rely so much on feeling we want to have a certain emotional experience. We've not always been willing to trust that God is present with us at all times. But the beauty about God, the psalmist says, is there, there is nowhere we can go from his presence. If I make my bed in the depths you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn or settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. There is nowhere I can go from your presence, David says. You're always with me. And it's not just something that in a moment of goodness David felt, but also in a moment of vacancy When he was alone, when he was uncertain, he cried out to the Lord and said, I know that you are with me, but I can't feel you with me. God, I trust that you are my refuge, even when I can't see where you are. God promised to the people of Israel, I'll go with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said to their leader Joshua, do not Be dismayed. Do not be discouraged because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Into battle. Into grief. Into joy. Into victory. I'm with you. You are not alone. Even Jesus, standing with his disciples... Just before he returned to the Father and knew that physically he was leaving, said to them, but surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Communicating a powerful truth that we've got to hang on to as people of God if we're going to survive in this world. And that is you may not see him, but he is still real and present with you and you may not be able to reach out and touch him, but the God of heaven who came to earth in Jesus Christ is present with you through the gift of his Holy Spirit, and he will not leave. And I don't know about you, but this week I have needed to know that the Holy Spirit is present. I have needed to be reminded that even when we cannot feel him when we cannot reach out and touch him as people who need something tangible to hold on to that the god of heaven is right here in our midst and he goes with us as we come and we go the psalmist wrote not only that there was nowhere that we could go from his presence but that god was always with us he hymns us in behind and before he is with us in our going out and our lying down he's familiar with all our ways because he's with us in it When you got the bad news, he was right there. When the good news that you were waiting for finally came, he was right there. He's always been here and he always will be in the valley of the shadow or on the mountaintop. God is with each of us and he is listening and he is offering to guide us and speak peace to us and speak comfort to us. And even when we feel alone, we are not truly alone alone. But if we resolve to not go alone, but instead to be with, it means that we choose to place our faith in a present God and then act accordingly. See, I can confess something with my mouth, but if I don't live into it with the rest of my life, if I don't live like I believe what I say, then people are going to wonder if it's really true. And then I'll start to wonder if it's really true. Is God really who he says he is? Can he really do what he said he could do? When my faith starts to waver in those places, then all of the questions come. And God has said, you can count on me to always be there. I will always be with you. It means that we listen for his voice. And I think most importantly, it means that we choose not to run away even when he calls us to come closer, and we know that being closer might be a little more challenging. See, choosing to not go alone doesn't just acknowledge that God is present. It means that I choose to stay with him. And in seasons like this, when we're angry, we think it's easier to run away from God than to face him and tell him how we really feel, and I want you to know today, God can handle your grief, He can handle your anger. He can handle all of it. You can tell him whatever you need to tell him. He doesn't just still love you. He's still with you. You can say what you need to say because the God of love is not running away from you, friends. And he doesn't want you to run away from him either. Choosing to not go alone means that instead of relying on our own strength, We start to rely on his. But I have to tell you, I'm so glad that God doesn't just say, I'm enough and here and so deal with it. No, here's the other way that God resolves the void of aloneness. He has given us the gift of community. If you reach out to your right or to your left, somebody is there this morning. There is a person next to you. There is someone walking this journey with you. God has given us each other. Praise his name. God has given us one another for encouragement, for support, for help, for comfort, for love. And each of us, because we are made in the image of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have built into our DNA the need for community. God, in and of himself, represents the community he wants us to have. He didn't make you to go it alone. He built you for one another. When he made man and man was alone, he looked at it and said, that's not good. Because he knew that we needed one another. Friends, we desperately need him. But in the presence of one another, we see the hands and feet of Jesus. In the moments when we need a tangible touch, when we need someone to wrap their arms around us and hold us so that we can cry or hold our hand or embrace us and celebrate with us, God has given us one another to fill the void. And we cannot neglect the gift of community. God calls us to each other. Some 59 times in the New Testament alone, Scripture says that we are invited into a one-another relationship with people, living deliberately to engage another person. Be kind to one another. Gentle and tender-hearted with one another. If ever you want an adventure, and you want to be sure that God has built you for other people, read His Word. Because again and again and again, he calls us, not just to ourselves, but to one another. I think it was John Dunn first who famously said that no man is an island. We represent the hands and feet of Christ in service to each other, and we need that gift of togetherness, especially especially in the times when that human touch is so important when somebody just shows up and gives the gift of presence just to say, I'm here. I can't really do anything, but I'm here. And I want you to know that you are not alone. If you want to see transformation in your life and you want to see transformation in this community, commit to be a person who chooses to not go alone, but to be with. Recognizing that not only is God with you, but the presence of God is with everyone. And sometimes you are the representative of his presence in the life of another person. Love someone every day. Don't go alone. And finally, receive and offer forgiveness. You just had to say that, didn't you, Pastor? Yeah, I did. Spending time each day loving someone intentionally and engaging God purposefully puts us in a position to live into this last action. Forgiveness, both receiving and offering it to other people. Is that challenging? Absolutely. But I want you to know this. If we are unwilling to be people who live with spirits of forgiveness then we will absolutely be robbed of the first two choices that we're making if we don't. Loving people every day, being present with people every day won't matter if we're not willing to forgive. We spend time daily choosing to say, God, I recognize that I have not been perfect and I need your forgiveness. I need your help. Why is forgiveness so important? Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. Life brings us surprises in all kinds of ways. I've had that happen to me this year. I know you have too. And the guarantee is that more surprises are coming. I wish I could tell you that wasn't true. But because we live in a broken and fallen world, the reality is surprises are going to come our way. And sometimes they'll be good, and a lot of times they'll be hard. But as we're living day to day, trying to love people, trying to be with people and not be alone, if we start to hang on to grudges and hold bitterness in our heart, it will only yield hurt and anger, and it will choke out whatever love that God is trying to grow up in us. Because here's the deal. When unforgiveness starts to fester, it turns our attention from God's presence and his peace to our hurts and our heartaches. And if the enemy is going to win in your life in the coming year, it will be to turn your eyes away from Jesus instead of letting you fix your eyes on him. Did you know that when you choose to shackle yourself to bitterness, about somebody else, you're not really holding them hostage, you're holding yourself hostage. You're holding yourself hostage to hurt and pain. But God has invited us to a life of freedom from the dark cell of bitterness. The apostle Paul wrote to the church at Colossians and he said, bear with each other if any of you has a grievance against someone, and then this line, forgive as the Lord forgave you. To live forgiven, to live as someone who's received forgiveness, to live as a person who acknowledges that we could not be in relationship with a holy God were it not for the generosity of His grace and the forgiveness that He has extended to us, means also that we live as one who is willing to forgive. Because forgiveness stems from the place where we ourselves received grace. And when we look at where we could be versus where we are, many of you have heard the phrase, but for the grace of God. Friends, the grace of God is his forgiveness. Extended Freely and without measure and abundantly to every single one of us because of his unfailing love, because it comes without condition, because it has come without rules, because it came without expectation, and because it came first. He loved because he is love. And out of that love has come the kind of forgiveness that we never could have imagined and now he has asked us to extend it one to another and to recognize that God has extended to us that kind of grace, that kind of power to say, I can be one who forgives like God forgave. Friends, if you are finding that you feel like you're living powerless in a world that is coming on you, coming at you, you, ha- you have no power to do anything then you're living blind to one of the greatest gifts that God has embedded in you because of his Holy Spirit, and that is that he has empowered you with the ability to forgive like you were forgiven. You'll never understand that power until you exercise it, because with it comes freedom. Freedom from the binding to the past, freedom from the binding to bitterness, freedom from the binding to wounds that have slowed you down and suffocated you your whole life. It's true that forgiveness sets people free, but Lewis Meads once said to forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was you. God calls us not only to believe in the forgiveness that he offers to us, but to be the people who extend that same forgiveness to other people because there are a world of people who don't even know it's available. And you might be the only Jesus that somebody ever encounters if you've promised to love somebody every day, if you've promised to never let people go alone, then you might be the only representative of Jesus they encounter. And if you hold the key to experiencing forgiveness for someone, and it will begin with the demonstration of that forgiveness from you to that person, then you hold a power that God himself has extended to you and now placed in your hands with the trust that you will show the same love and the same compassion that God has given to you. Resolve to be someone who shows forgiveness. And when you do, you enter into this beautiful picture of being a person who has not only received the love and grace of God as a recipient, but also as one who has the same ability to give the gifts that God gave. And in a moment in your life when you felt like you had nothing to offer anyone, to be presented with the truth, that you have the ability to offer the same things to someone else that God has given to you, is a pretty powerful truth. So here's what I want to say to you. New Year's Day is Tuesday. But if you wait and resolve to change your life Tuesday, you will have missed some really precious time because you're not guaranteed Tuesday, but you have been given today. So here's my challenge to you. Love somebody every day. In the most practical sense, do you want to know what that looks like right now? Bring some food for a funeral meal. Provide some childcare. Call your neighbor and make sure they're okay. Take some food to a shut-in. Be present and don't let people go alone. What does that look like? Leave here and go sit with someone at Oakview. Call somebody who's been missing for the last several weeks and say, I haven't seen you and I miss you. When you know that people are alone, be the one that shows up and not the one who asks, I wonder when someone will show up. The next time you walk into a restaurant and someone is sitting all by themselves, be brave and go sit down with them and say, Would you like some company? And forgive. There's no reason to wait until Tuesday to start forgiving people. There's plenty of time left in 2018 to say to someone, I forgive you. And perhaps most importantly, to say to God, I receive your forgiveness. Help me to be someone who forgives like you forgave me. in an effort to help urge us to make the most of our time. When you came in today, you received a sheet. that looks like this. And on it, it simply says, I covenant with God and my family in Christ at Community Church of God to allow God to love me, to learn to love who he made me to be, and to in turn love others every day. To embrace God's presence and to go with others, letting no one ever go alone. And to know that God forgives me as I seek him, and he calls me to forgive others. There's a place where you can sign your name and put the date on it. And I want to invite you, as we respond to the word of God today, that maybe you want to make a covenant with the Lord today. Take this little sheet of paper and tape it on your bathroom mirror. Put it on your refrigerator somewhere. You will see it every day so you remember the promise that you have made to live intentionally into the time that you have been given because it's a gift to not waste it, to not wait till January 1 to start making changes in your life and to not try to make changes out of your own self-will. But to say, Lord, what is it that I need to be doing with the life that you have given me? And how can I do it in a way that will make a difference? Love. Be with. Forgive. And not only that, but you know there are two copies here. I did that on purpose. Because maybe today, in the midst of everything, you've felt like you need to do something that You need to make a change. You need to see some transformation in your own life. You want to know that your life makes a difference. And you want to make a covenant with the Lord, but you know you need some help. You need some accountability. You need some encouragement. You need somebody to just cheer you on on the road. So if you're willing to make this covenant before the Lord today and you want to take another step of faith, I'm going to invite you to sign that bottom part. And as we sing in response this morning, just come and lay that paper face down. here on the altar this morning as a way to say, hey, listen, Lord, I want you to see I'm taking a step of faith, but pastor, I need some encouragement because there are some people I don't really want to love. And there are some people I'm going to have a really hard time forgiving, and I need some help. And there are days that I want to be alone by myself, and I don't want to go find other people. I just want to crawl in a hole and hide. Pastor, I want to know that somebody's going to call me so that I'm not alone and will help me learn to love like God has called me to love. If that's where you're at today and you want to make that step of faith, I'm going to invite you to just fill out that bottom part and tear it off. Keep that top part for yourself. And as we sing in response, you can come and lay that here at the altar and make a commitment before the Lord just privately to say, Look, Lord, I'm, I'm in. I don't know how to do this real well, but I'm in. And and I want to tell you about one other thing that's going to happen after the first of the year. In our lobby, out in our connections area, there's going to be a giant jar with sheets of paper beside that jar. And every week as you come in, you're going to have an opportunity to write down a name. Somebody that you loved this week. Somebody that you spent time with this week. That you made sure they weren't alone. A name of someone that finally God gave you the courage to forgive. And we're going to fill that jar And at some point, we're going to look at that jar and see that the blessings are increasing because we've chosen to live with intention, loving people and being with people and forgiving people and receiving forgiveness ourselves. It won't be a jar of confession. It will be a jar of blessing to see what the powerful work of God can do in us. If you don't have one of those covenants today and you need one, there's... Someone over here on the side that'll be happy to provide one to you. And as we prepare to stand and sing and respond, I want to close with this. My friend Mike knew how to love. And every time I saw him, he was with somebody. And he was working diligently to be a person who learned the grace of forgiveness. And he began by receiving it himself. And if anything would honor our friend today, I believe that it would be taking the step to live the kind of life that he was striving to live every day, to love and to be with and to forgive. And so not only as an act of honoring the father, but also as a way to honor our friend. I invite you to respond to the Lord today. Pray with me. God, you have been our help in ages past, and you are our hope for years to come, but right now, you are our refuge and our strength and our ever-present help in time of need. And we are so grateful for your love for us and the forgiveness that you have extended to us And that we are never alone. And God, perhaps today, more than any other time, we needed to be reminded of these things. Help us to not wait for a new year or a new season or another major life event to be a people who allow you to transform us, but instead, Father, help us to be bold and courageous and to take a step of faith today, committing to you and perhaps to other people that this is the kind of person that we want to be shaped into by your Holy Spirit. We can't do this alone, Lord, but we absolutely can do it with your help. And so we ask for that today. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.